Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Hello. And special guest Richard Mansell. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, Rich. For those of you that don't know, Richard has just been promoted from the Challenge Tour to the full European Tour. And what we're going to do is dive into his story throughout golf and how he got there but he managed to do it in one year on the challenge tour which is absolutely incredible really so it's a fascinating story and we're going to dive straight into it so richard thank you for for coming on chatting with us how are you i'm all right mate yeah um feeling a little bit better than after the last few days but no glad to kind of be home and looking forward to kind of the prep for the new year now so yeah you've got a bit of a curse of the cookie jar because now you've got three all three of us are COVID survivors on the pod now. Um, you've had a bit of a COVID hangover the last few days since coming back from New York, right? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I was kind of one of them who, obviously, I didn't really know anyone who'd kind of had it or been properly affected by it. And obviously, when I was when I tested positive out in Spain, um, I was I felt fine. I was kind of like, I'm absolutely fine. Um, once I do my isolation, get to the grand final. Um, that was all positive. And uh, then kind of, like I say, once I started to then try and walk and exercise and all that, did start to feel the effects a little bit and um, struggling breathing and stuff like that. But um, no, it's only, been a, it's only been a few days really and I do start to feel a little bit better already. So Cool. So just to rewind slightly, I suppose, just to fill in, fill in our listeners that may not be aware of, of what happened, you got to the last event of the year with the prospect of getting in the top five, which would have got automatic promotion, and you've got struck by COVID. I mean, how does that how does that feel knowing that you know you've got your your career on the line and you possibly might not play in this event? Yeah, I um, yeah, it was weird. I remember um, it was the Sunday after just um, the first week in Spain. So basically, the Spanish swing to finish out the year and challenge tour was the final three tournaments, and we had two weeks in a row in Cadiz at the same golf course. And uh, played that first week and was look, all, like, looking forward to having three weeks in a row. Haven't had that for a long time. And I was thinking, right, yeah. build some momentum here, finish the year strong. I think at that point I was third on the rankings going into those last three events. And that um, third to last week, so the first week in Spain, played great. Um, got really unlucky the first round. Um, and then the final three rounds played really well. Had a solo second place finish, which potentially, well, now, looking back, yes, it guaranteed I was going to be top five, but it wasn't always going to be like that. Like I say, I mean, if things close, people close to me played well, or yeah. they could have voted me and stuff. So, yeah, solo second place finish there, buzzing for the next week, uh, thinking, right, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do to win round here. We've got the same golf course. Retested on that Sunday after the round. Um, I'm at dinner, and everyone else has got their um, – negative results back their text their email and i've literally had nothing and i'm thinking what's going on here like anyway i'm literally sitting there at dinner and the doctor from the tour and a couple of the guys in charge literally came and grabbed me and took me inside and said um we've got some news you've you've tested positive we've run the tests back three or four times and every time and i literally i thought i genuinely thought they were having me on because 
I just had a great day. <laughs> um, sick joke. Yeah, picked up a good paycheck. Great banter, good, isn't good it? Great banter, yeah. I, I literally thought like you're having a laugh, and they said no. Like we're being serious. You need to, this. Is what you need to. You need to get back to the room, and we'll we'll have a phone call with you in a bit with um, the doctors from the. And I was just honestly walking back to the room. I literally just broke into tears. I didn't know what to say. Mm. And yeah. I was just all of a sudden it was like like I'm, I'm done like that's it like i'm gonna get taken over there's literally only five spots and i generally everything negative just came out yeah. i've never been from having like such a high to such a low in such a short amount of time anyway then i had to go and tell todd who was my roommate they obviously told him and he didn't believe me i told my caddy because he was going to be meeting me out at the grand final he literally for for five minutes i've got the text and he was just like i won't say what words he was saying but you're having a laugh, like, no, no, no chance, no. like, yeah, because I, I joke about stuff like that quite a lot, and this time generally serious, <laughs> it's, uh, no one believes you, but, um, yeah, it's a boy who manager. cried wolf. <laughs> yeah, literally, because it was a good week, my manager, the same, no, you're joking, my, uh, my fiance back home, like, no one believed me, and it yeah. was just like, I'm yeah. genuinely serious here, like, I've got to, I don't know how these next 10 days are going to, but I've told I've got to stay in my hotel room, so. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because if you think about it, like, I joke about this because as Sam and I both had it. And, you know, if you, if you had an STD, you'd be like, Oh, I've done something wrong, but I've got to tell everybody. Um, yeah. But this, you've got to tell everybody, but you've actually done nothing wrong. Like you no, just exactly. lived your life as normal, but you feel so, like you're ruining everybody else's experience. Exactly. And that was my, I just felt the biggest thing at first was I literally, I've never felt so guilty with Todd. Um, so yeah. Todd tested negative. I obviously stayed in a hotel room with him that first week. Um, because of that, he then had to isolate as well. Um, and he tested negative, nothing wrong with him. There was nothing wrong with me. I had no symptoms, nothing. And, um, yeah, I just, I was like, I'm so sorry. Cause I thought we were both out at the final two weeks of the year and we wouldn't be playing again for months kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that happened. And, um, yeah, like I say, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things and, Things have worked well since then, but um, yeah, it was it was a whirlwind of emotions. So I'll put it that way. Well, coming out of it was pretty pretty interesting because I was kind of staying close to the coverage and um, and the news on the European tour and stuff. And you flip that you think you got the clearance, didn't you? Fly in on the Wednesday night. So Connor's the sort of unsung hero of uh, of Team Mansell, isn't he? Really, here's another one for you. So I they gave us the choice with the test. To, they weren't going to run the tests until after the after the round. Everyone had finished their round on Sunday. They weren't going to send everyone's tests off because potentially, like for example, I was I think I was in second, but I was potentially leading the tournament the first week. And if they, I did my test before my round, but they sent it. They sent everyone's off after. They, if they, for example, they could have come, if they sent it up before, they would have had to come and get me on the golf course and say, you've got COVID, like, and pretend. So that was the reason they didn't do that. Luckily, my rates, I wasn't infectious, nothing, no one else got it, hence stayed in the room with Todd, he didn't get it, Um, my partner back home. Obviously, I must have potentially, but she didn't have it, like, I haven't infected anyone, which is obviously a very good thing, but... um, Yeah, so, but they gave us the choice. If I did it on the night after my round or the next morning, which some people did, so that was your slot to do your test. Um, Well, if I did it the next day, I wouldn't have been able to play because my 10 days isolation would have finished on the first day, which is the first round. Oh, right, yeah. So I did it 
as early as I could it before my round, which meant my 10-day isolation finished Wednesday morning. That meant I could get on a flight at lunchtime. Whereas if I did it later on, after my round on the night, I would you have missed your tea tried. time on Thursday. Yeah. Well, I, my, I, unless I would have had to hope there was a flight late Wednesday night, got in late Wednesday. And so, so that side of it worked out really well. Yeah. And was that complete fluke? Complete fluke. It was just, it was just because I was off last or second to last in that event. And I just wanted to kill some time before my tea time instead of waiting until oh. after or waiting until the next day. So I just said, yeah, because yeah, it was at the golf club and I was I just got there 20 minutes early when I did yeah, my test. Get it done, yeah. Yeah. yeah, went and had a coffee and that was it, really. So um, Connor had to go and case the joint, didn't he? So he was out sort of prowling the fairways and kind of yeah, so had a feel for the place, right? Another one, like I, I, um, I, I didn't know until I had to be retested on the Monday, uh, the day after, and again came back positive and then i had to go to the spanish, local spanish hospital to do a test for spanish law because it was in spain so obviously i had to leave my hotel room to get in my car go to the spanish hospital but i had to do it like medical mask all of this yeah. and there was a couple of players who saw me and obviously what news spreads fast and they were like <laughs> you, I literally it was like i was a zombie i'm not even joking they literally <laughs> away like hit their fan I'm like I'm, I'm like I'm, and they were like they thought I was escaping they thought I was literally like I was like I've got to go to the hospital and they were like what the hell is going on it and I was literally it's mad and then even in Mallorca I mean they told me I had to I had to wear a medical mask just I was absolutely fine obviously they I had the all clear done my isolation um but some people are obviously gonna treat you a bit differently they know you've yeah. got it um or had well had it honestly it was just like i know it has to be but it is just like you like you like a creature to them kind of thing so <laughs> um yeah anyway that uh he got there the monday um i've kind of paid for him to get out there early he mapped the course he knew it off the back of his hand and i just like i say if it was a diff if it was a caddy that i'm lucky that i have the same caddy all the time so he knows my game more than i do so like i said the fact that he knew the course he could know how i could play it and um trust what he said if you're someone who has different caddies a lot it might have been a bit harder to kind of get that mm. well if they, if they don't know you if they don't know your game kind of thing so yeah. can yeah. we just talk about Mallorca as well because i watched with keen interest um and you started out hot every day. I don't know whether whether there was something in those first few holes for you, but you were just starting every day like a freight train. And you went out Thursday, Friday, and pretty much tore the course to pieces, didn't you? I thought, yeah, this is this could be win number one coming your way here. Yeah, I just yeah, it, obviously. I mean, I spent ten days in isolation. I was I was fine. I literally just wait, counting down the days. Had no symptoms, nothing retested everything was fine um get out there and I, I was purely playing on adrenaline um i was so grateful to be there um yeah it kind of had the same kind i kind of had the same mindset as i did last year i when i had some success last year a lot of it came down to one of my friends who was very poorly um i kind of used to shout out about him a lot and say i just i really all golfers kind of try and get into a mindset where we're out there and we really feel grateful to play the game everyone loves for their living. Um, but to yeah. actually really feel grateful is a different thing than saying mm -hmm. you do. And I last year, like I said, I generally did because one of my very good friends was fighting for his life. And then this was a similar thing. It was kind of like I've had 10 days stuck in a room, can't looking at the same walls, 
watching leaderboards, watching, trying to figure out how it mm. can all happen. And then it's like, I'm back on a golf course and I'm back doing what I love. And I generally just, it was like li- low expectations, just, just enjoy being there. And I really did. Um, and I was purely playing on adrenaline and, um, then all of a sudden I'm leading and it's like, what is happening? I, that first day it was, I played flawless, like yeah. really was. And that second day played very, very well. Wasn't quite as good. Um, but the putter saved me, which I don't tend to say very often. <laughs> you had the break out all week. I was just watching you drop drop bombs from Honestly, 30. Honestly, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I'm, that, I'm normally the person who just birdies the par fives by two putting and relies on sticking it. So, um, yeah, so it was it was weird. And my caddy was like, flipping heck, he's, he's learned to putt. And maybe, maybe the, I literally said to him, maybe the answer is just like, don't practice, just, just putting, sitting. Putting in the, in the hotel room. I didn't even do that. That was a thing. Just sit on your ass, basically. Maybe that's your best prep. So, um, yeah, anyway. And then it did. It really just caught up on me. And I spoke to the doctor, Dr. Andrew Murray, about it. And he just said, look, like, obviously you've had it, your results, it's going to catch up on you at some point. And then the fact that I had all that mental stress of all of a sudden I'm trying to win a golf tournament and the stress I'd been yeah. through of everything negative, thinking, oh, I'm not going to get my card, I'm not going to do this. It hasn't. It adds up and has an effect when you've got the virus as well and all of those things. And it just, honestly, that third round, um, I couldn't even add up my numbers kind of thing. I was that, yeah, I was yeah. gone. I literally started to kind of it wasn't hilly but even just walking up hills and stuff i was no i was suffering a little bit and um still i didn't really have see i didn't have symptoms but i, I knew that i'd had something kind of thing yeah. i was yeah i was exhausted and like i say i mean it was my first week back and um yeah it found me out. and then that third round it got tough as well it really got windy and that found me out it kind of like oh, now you can tell you've yeah. done no practice now you can tell you've done no practice kind of. yeah. <laughs> with um at this point where like on the third round it's kind of around about the turn wasn't it where things i think started to hit you um at that point was your european card secure well i mean this was the thing so i was I think I was second going into the third round, but the projected rankings, because Mark Pep wasn't playing great. Marcel wasn't playing great either. I was, if I've, if it finished how I did, uh, I would have been number one in the rankings. Yeah. So that was in my goal. Um, but I obviously, I hadn't won yet on Challenger and I wanted to win. And all of a sudden it had gone from being appreciative of being there to, I want to win this thing. And then that yeah. took over and I just, then I wasn't in the right mindset, probably trying to force it when I wasn't quite there and I wasn't thinking properly because I was tired and so on. So, but yeah, like I say, until I had got on the bogey bus and couldn't get on off it around the middle of that third round. And it was just like, I say, I mean, the wind picked up um, at the, at the hard point of the golf course. And it was, uh, do you know what? Honestly, I, I had to laugh as well. Cause I got off the 12th, just gone. I was one understanding on the knife tee, three putted that 10, I've hit a good tee shot down the middle and there's water everywhere. You can't go left of the green because there's a path and then out of bounds. And the wind's hard off the left, pushing it to the water. So I've tried to hit a shot into the middle of the green and just turn my hands over, pulled it left, hit the car path, out of bounds. Anyway, I hit my next fourth shot on the green. Anyway, I'm about to hit this 30-footer and someone right behind the flag started walking to get out of my way. And I'm thinking, just stand there. like There's literally <laughs> a few spectators. I'm like, you're the, the only spectator. person... Either do, yeah, yeah, and anyway, start. I was that because I just did one out of bounds. I was fuming, 
whack that one about 10 foot by three putted <laughs> that so i've gone triple there the next hole gone par five obviously trying to chase it now gone for the green in two out the rough pulled it left i'm in the bark then i've played it over the green in the bunker don't know how it's plugged plugged don't get up and down bogey i'm thinking what is going on anyway next hole par three it's probably the hardest hole on the course 230 yards water all around short and right of the green front right pin so I've tried to anyway. I've just gone bogey, triple bogey to go to three or <laughs> four over. It sounds like my weekly medal list. Uh, I'm really I enjoying this. And, uh, Keep and going. I'm just, it's like, like... <laughs> I'm just like right. What's going on? Anyway, we've got some people walking around with us because obviously I'm playing with Alex Canapi, who was leading, and I'm in the final group. Um, and Bjorn in my group wasn't playing great either. Anyway, I've hit this five iron. I've flushed it. I've looked up and it's just gone right. And I'm like, oh, it's in the piss. It's he's <laughs> in the piss. Anyway, it's kicked in the. I've got. I'm gone up there and I'm hopeful it stayed up. But I knew it was in there. And there's people and they've gone, yeah, yeah, it didn't. And we're like, they're like, do you reckon it crossed? And I'm like, it didn't cross. Like I'm walking back here. So I've got nine. To, I've had to drop it. And as I'm walking off the tee, this Spanish guy <laughs> looks at me and up my hat's on the top of me and I'm just like what is going I don't know because I I haven't even got the energy to get annoyed at myself kind of thing and he's looked at me and in this Spanish accent has gone to me what are you doing I have a bet on you (laughs) honestly honestly, I literally it just made me absolutely piss myself honestly I was just like that is brilliant. You're you're annoyed at me because you've got a better me, and I'm about to bloody lose my card. Like, you're there, great. You know, really, I agree. To keep I am absolutely. Door. I feel like I'm in World War Three, and you're telling me you've got a better me, and what asking me what I'm doing because I'm making bogeys every hole. <laughs> to be fair, Honestly, you corrected so, the situation though afterwards, so maybe there was some, maybe there was a bit of divine oh, intervention yeah, there. So, exactly. You know. So I did. I, I dropped my I dropped my ball from ninety yards, stiffed it, made a good bogey in the end. Played a shocking round of golf. My caddy literally said to me, "Actually, said I'm not gonna lie, that's the worst round of golf I've ever seen." Because <laughs> even to be fair, even when I was on the front nine, I was well, I shot level, but the first two holes came out like it was unbelievable, and then three to nine, I was not very. I was hanging on for dear life, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. "We, it was, it was a bound to happen because you were in." I was like hitting wedges to sixty foot, kind of thing. It was awful. Yeah. I just had no control, and um. Yeah, he was like, it was the worst round of golf I've ever seen you play. It's whatever. And I was just like, look, like, I know. And the next day, shot one over. Wasn't wasn't very good, but it was it was Commercially enough. got the job done, which is what it's it was all enough, about, yeah. Right? And like I said, I was just ready to kind of see the back end of the week. And even then, like, I was waiting because and with a few holes to go, there was guys at the top of the leaderboard who I was like, I need you not to be at the top of the leaderboard because <laughs> I'm going to get lapped here. And um, anyway, it all worked out well in the end. But it is a big deal, isn't it? That's the thing. And, you you know, I think a couple of our listeners might not appreciate, I didn't until we were talking before we started uh, recording the pod, that actually there's what would usually happen is you've got 20 players, correct, that would go up into the European tour card. But because of the nature of the virus and the pandemic and the number of events, that's been reduced to five. And obviously the challenge tour, there's a lot of players in the ascendancy like yourself, um, like Alex Canapa and stuff who are, who are kind of, you know, looking to ride the crest of a good wave and move, make their way through the tours. Right. So exactly. I mean, the challenge tour, obviously I haven't been on the main tour properly yet, but you speak to guys and they say, getting promoted from the challenge tour to the European tour. So finishing top 15, finishing top 20 is probably harder than keeping your card on the main tour. Yeah. Um, 
it's hard. Like you've got to play well and winning on there is arguably just as hard. There's that many good golfers mm-hmm. nowadays. And obviously you're playing for a lot less money. So you finish 25th on the main tour, you pick up, I don't know, Rolex series, you're picking up 30, 40, well, 40, 50 grand or whatever. It's happy days. Whereas you finished, you finished, you have a top 10 on the challenge tour. You've played, you've played really good. Really good. Yeah. You finished, yeah. you finished 10th in a 200 grand purse and you pick up three and a half grand, four grand. And it's, yeah. Like you say, the you try not to think of the money side of it, but it's it is there. And like you say, I mean, the reason you go up is because you have to earn enough money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when there's only five spots and um, there's that many good players, it's it's tough. So, um, yeah, like I say, it is a big deal. And I've always kind of every time I've kind of had an opportunity um, so far, touch wood, I've, I've kind of took it and played well and gone from Euro Pro, did well on there. Um, played well on my couple of starts on Challenge Tour last year, which got me my better card this year on Challenge Tour, which, like I say, I mean, I literally texted my caddy the other day and it was just like, the it was like, what what an 18 months it's been. What can I know it's probably haven't won enough. I finished second. I looked at my stats and I finished second quite a lot. And I was like, that's, like, that's what I want to do next now. I want to kind of just get a few of them over the line and, Yes, it's been amazing, but it shows that there's still things I need to get better at, and that's exciting to me. Um, the fact that I don't feel like I'm as good as I can be, kind of thing. So yeah. I've still got a lot of improving to do, and I know what I, what it, what that is, and so on. But um, yeah, last year when I had an invite um, into Galgorm, which is my uh, my oh, management group, Hamda, right? Yeah, so just a little story, and people obviously remember your great rounds, your great tournaments, all of that. But um, yeah, so you, you, I doubt you'll know this, but um, I was obviously playing Euro Pro last year, and after about halfway through the season, I'd secured enough money that I was going to be top five at the end of the year. I had a really good first half of the year, and um, modest at the time, they were helping me out a little bit. Um, I'd not long. Um, left my old management group and uh, I wasn't signed to them, but they just kind of were helping me out, uh, Mark McDonnell, and um, they gave me an invite into their event. And I was like, because I'd already secured enough on Europro, I was going to play it. And um, anyway, first round shot 500 and I was in second and uh, I get out the next day and uh, great event, hospitality, actually a few spectators so for me that was like quite cool because you don't really get that much on Europe yeah. and stuff and grandstands and things like that. it was quite cool anyway so that second day I'm uh I'm eight over par after 15 holes <laughs> I'm eight and it was just like what is going on like I'm 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 outside the cut here and I literally literally my caddy I remember remember it like yesterday on the 16th tee he goes look like this is what you've got to do. Like we've got to make the cut here or you done unchallenged off the year back to Europe. Bro. Mm. And he's just like, you always seem to do something when you got to do something. Anyway, 16 fairway, hit it to a foot and a half birdie 17 fairway, hit it to a foot birdie 18. It's like five. I don't know how far it is. And I've hit the longest drive I've ever hit in my life. Mm. Um, and, you normally hit like three within. I hit six iron to like seven foot on this par five and I've missed it to finish birdie, birdie eagle. So I finished birdie, birdie, birdie to make the cut. And then when I was looking like not making the cut, had a really good weekend, snuck a top 10, finished 10th, which that top 10 got me into next week in Belgium. 
Is so that, I, that, I, and then I you went, went on to European. Was that no, when you then, went on to win the Euram thing? No. So that was this year. Last year in Belgium was the KPMG, KPMG Trophy, where I got in because of finishing top 10 at Galgorm, oh, which right. I only finished top 10 at Galgorm because I finished birdie, birdie, birdie when I was eight yeah. over yeah. to make the cut. <laughs> that next week, I shot 66, 65, 64 in final group. Um, shot three under the last round, finished fifth. Had a great week on Challenge Tour. That top 10 got me into the next week in France. And I was relying on finishing top 10 every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I did. And I ended up finishing 64th on the Challenge Tour rankings in seven events, which got me Category 10 on the Challenge Tour. Category 10 on the Challenge Tour was better than Category 13 that you get from finishing top five in Euro Pro. Yeah. So it all came back to when I was eight over par and finished birdie, birdie, yeah. birdie. If I didn't finish birdie, 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 I wouldn't be where I am now because I wouldn't have got into the Euro and Bank this year with my Category 13 from the Euro Pro. It's and amazing. And a couple of the co-sanctioned events. And, it, and the events at the start of the year off Africa as well. But that's the mental thing, isn't it, Rich? Because you got you look at and most people who sit at home and watch golf at weekend, you know, myself included, you watch the PGA and you'll think, well, Brooks Koepka will turn out at a weekend. You know, he might not. He looks like he's not giving it his all. He might have a bad week, but it actually makes literally no difference. Whereas, yeah. you know, when you're kind of trying to climb your way through Euro Pro Challenge Tour, you know, you're looking at trying to kind of constantly get the next, you know, status on the next tour. It actually comes down to those few key moments. And, you know, and every golfer can learn a lot from being kind of, you know, way off the pace after 14 or 15 holes, digging deep and putting a score in. And it, I mean, that's incredible when you think the difference that's made by just resetting on the on the sixteenth tee. Sixteen, and it was just I was eight over, and I wasn't playing that bad. It was just a bit tough that day, and I kept missing it. I remember I had shafts in my eyes that weren't right for me, and it was going too low. So I was hitting into wind, and it was going my normal distance. So I kept going long, and it was like I don't know what to do it. Like I've hit a good shot, and I'm mm. I make bogey. So that's what kept happening. Same thing happened this year on the Challenge Tour in Italy. Um, I will say this year, like before um, finishing second in that co-sanctioned event, I hadn't made a cut this year. I'd missed four cuts in a row in the Austrian Open and then three in South Africa. Well, obviously, it's been a weird year for everyone, but had no form. And then, yeah, finished second, biggest paycheck, almost got my European Tour card for a win in, well, finished second in my second European Tour event. But it counted on the Challenge Tour rankings, which was great for me. Um, and then since then, I've played, I've showed some good signs, but I hadn't really put together a proper good tournament that I was happy with. I went to Italy uh, in the Italian Challenge, and the first two rounds I'm paired with Pep Angles and Matteo Manassero. Yep. So I'm thinking, right, Matteo, two weeks ago, he's just won an Alps tour. And mm. um, I mean, this is a household name who's, I've never played with him, but I mean, he was, people saw him as like the next big thing, when at Wentworth, youngest winner there. Like the European tour, like, even though he's very young still, he's like this kid, this guy's quality. And, um, I literally was just, I was just speaking to him when we were playing and I was really struggling like that front. I mean, that front nine, the first day I could have been six, seven over par was awful. Um, anyway, I managed to shoot two over, I think. And then the second day, and then I shot two under on the back nine, but it wasn't great. So I shot level par and I was over the moon, but everyone was going deep. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling here. Mm. And um, he spoke to me. He just said, "Look, like I mean, that's that's class. Like that's what you have to do. Is when it's when your back's against the wall. It's just 
don't shoot five over. Don't do things like that because, like you say, when you're playing great, golf's the easiest game in the world. But how are you when it's when you're playing crap? And obviously, he knows because he went from being top of the game and he was he fell off the earth, couldn't break eighty, um, lost everything, confidence a lot. And then he, I literally asked him, and he said his proudest moment in golf. Bearing in mind, this guy's won at Wentworth, won playing the PJ Tour, and his proudest moment was two weeks ago winning on the Alps Tour. Really. And he just said, honestly, I can't describe the mental state he was in for him to come back and trust the process that he's been going on for so long and go and win again. Even though it was on the Alps tour, he said, it shows that the work I've been doing is right and he's on the right path. And he just said, because he was that gone mentally, hated the game, everything. And he's like, I love the game again, like all of this. And he just said, like, it just, it's so important to go back to that kind of mindset. Anyway, that second day, um, the cut's going to be a couple under, three under, and I'm two over after nine again, so I'm about four out of the cut. And I'm playing awful, duffing wedges, stuff like that. Anyway, I went back to what I used to do. I just started kind of hitting my fairway finder, trying to fade it. I shot five under on that back nine to make the cut, and then shot seven under the final, because it got cut to three rounds because of weather. shot seven under the final round to finish 14th, pick up four and a half grand again. If I don't shoot five under on that back nine the second day I missed the cut, I wouldn't have got wouldn't have played the last round to shoot seven under. That four and a half grand would have cost me my card this year. It's just it's unbelievable the fine margin. So there's yeah. there's so many things and you you think back to like all of these little moments and you're like, actually, when my back was up against the wall, that was so much more important to just grind out making the cut or something to when you're playing great and you finish third or whatever, That's yeah, that's great. But you, you're going to have weeks like that because as a good golfer, when you're playing yeah. well, the game treats you well. But we all know it. It's This game's weird. And like you say, it can, <laughs> yeah. you, you go you go through emotions that you can't even describe to people who don't play it kind of thing. So, yeah. It's really weird um, talking about Matteo and his, his proudest achievement being a couple of weeks ago. In what externally i suppose would be a less important event but internally of course. it was it was a, a true milestone yeah I mean, and this guy's this guy's sponsored by rolex he had, he had huge, everything you know, and his proudest moment was winning picking up six grand six thousand euros on the alps tour which means probably means nothing to him money wise but yeah. to be a winner again play good golf and like you said i mean that's that's proof in the pudding if you play good golf doesn't matter where you're playing Good golf is good golf. Yeah. It also just shows it shows what's yeah. going on inside your head, doesn't it? I mean, 100%. for you personally, you've got you've had this. I mean, it's been a roller coaster ride, but it's been a meteoric rise pretty much like to the European tour now. I mean, how do you how do you personally set goals moving forward yeah. internally and externally? I mean, what are you what are you hoping for next year? I mean, I I like to base it off i mean I, I keep stats so there's very um yeah kind of i have asked like i like i mentioned i have aspects of my game that i need to improve um there's parts of my game that i'll hand on heart say are world class and i know that they're not the end that's not what i need to get better at but there is parts that can be good but aren't when it's bad it's not good enough kind of thing and um so wedge play for me is something that pff, it's a bit hit or miss. Um, I sometimes feel like I'm better with an eight iron kind of thing, 
putting mm. as well. I can hold the world, but it's I'm a bit too streaky. And then mm. I'll go and lose strokes on the greens for bloody four tournaments in a row kind of thing. And it's no. just frustrating. So, um, yeah, anyway, like I say, I mean, for me, it's a case of finding that balance. I work with, I work quite hard with my psychologist and it's kind of like setting little goals, but I'm very process orientated. Um, I like to have a very mastery platform. Can't control what others are doing. Not really judge myself off my results, but actually how I play, um, how I make decisions, all of that. And I'd kind of trust that if I get on that path, get that platform right. And then it's a case of the results will kind of take care of itself because I trust my golfing ability. Um, But like you say, once you've got that platform to then get something over the line, you have to have that ego side of it as well to believe that, right, I'm here to win and this is my tournament to win kind of thing. And it's a case of you don't want to have that mindset when you haven't got the the mastery platform because – but it's just a recipe for disaster. You start going at pins when you're not swinging it well, mm. where you're going to win it. Do you know what I mean? So it's understanding yeah. where you're at with your game, what your strengths, what your weaknesses are, and then go from there. And that's, like I say, I mean, it's a constant journey. You're always trying to get better. And me, I mean, yeah, now I'm on, going to have some starts in the European. So I'm looking forward to it. I know I'm, I know I'm good enough to win. Um, got, I'm top. I look at my world ranking rise. I've gone from 1,400 in the world start last year to the top 250 in the world now. So that for me, again, it's great, but I want to keep getting better. That's what I've done every year. I've gone from Euro Pro to Challenge, Challenge to the main tour, and it's a case of um, you don't have to do anything different, just try and get a little bit better, um, turn them 20ths into 15ths and so on. And when, like I said, then when I've finished second, well, how can I actually turn them into wins kind of mm. thing and, like I say, we play this game because I want to win. Everyone mm. likes winning. So um, for me, I haven't won in. It's timing as well, isn't it? Like if you pick up the right results when you've got the right strength of field. So you look at things like, you know, things, events like down at Wentworth, for example, carry quite a high weighting. Exactly. That, that, if you can start to find them at the right time, that catapults you up the rankings because 100%. I mean, I'm guessing the next real big milestone is going to be, you know, top 100 and, you know, dare exactly. I say top 50 in the world status because that yeah. opens up the next Pandora's box, doesn't it, for you? I mean, but- yeah, I, I I work on stuff like that and I set set goals and I've got massive goals that oh, I'm going to keep internal just because I don't yeah, really like to shout about them. But um, it's, it is for me, it's a case of if I continue doing what I'm doing, it's like, well, why does there have to be a limit on it? There's, there doesn't. Um, yeah, I wanna I wanna be playing on both tours. I wanna have somewhere in America a base in America where I can play on the PJ tour, be top fifty in the world, playing in the majors, contending. And then it's a case of, yeah, I wanna you get to, once you get to that point, then you reassess again. It's like right now I wanna win and I wanna be yeah. a household name. And I don't think at my point you can just say, I wanna be there. Uh, obviously I want to be, but it's a case of there's there's steps yeah. you have to climb first. Because otherwise, it's it's not that it's unrealistic, but you haven't got a chance to get there because you're not going to be playing events that are going to put you top 10 in the world kind of thing. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's a case of small goals and keep climbing the ladder and, like you say, just keep reassessing and um, you, do that. And- you, you talk about ego versus mastery because we've had a guy on the pod before called Gio Valiante who you know, obviously works with players and the mental approach. I've read his, and- read his book, Golf Flow. 
Yeah, it's good, yeah, isn't it? Very, and he talks good. about that whole concept of ego versus mastery and how, you know, it's not like one or the other. And like you say, it's a blended approach, but that intrinsic feeling about how you're playing golf and mastering the craft is the thing that underpins people's success. And if you become yeah. too wedded to, you know, the kind of outward facing goals, whether it's OWGR status, performance in events, things that are out of your control, then you set yeah. yourself up for disappointment or you hitch your wagon too much to things that can quickly turn against you. And I think he used a number of examples when we talked about it. Have you used, have you found that kind of work with on the mental side of the game to be really helpful for you then as you've kind of grown, grown up and through it? It's, I can't explain how important it is. It's just, like I say, I mean, we play the most, the hardest game in the world. I mean, even people will say who don't play, but if you play golf, you understand that one day you can get up and you feel like you're Tiger Woods and you feel like you can't miss a shot. And then the next day, mm. it's like you've never touched a club and it's a case of mm. well, how does that happen? And um, like I said, there's so many factors that make it so hard. Um, and yeah, when you start to get ahead of yourself, it's learning how to control it. And I'm not someone, people, there's pros out there who say, yeah, don't look at leaderboards or don't do that. And it's like, I actually, I enjoy doing that because I've spent my whole life, my whole childhood dreaming of when I'm going to be playing on tour and looking at my name on a leaderboard. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. So why am I going to not look at it? Like, that to me just shows that I'm doing the right things. And then it's a case of, I spoke to my psych about it before um, going out to Spain. I just said, it's going to be weird. And I said, I know, I mean, I've been doing some good work. Um, again, that's why I was so frustrated that I couldn't play that second week and then I had to go to the final having 10 days sitting in a room without practice because I'd done some really good work leading into three weeks. Hence, I finished second in the first week and I, I knew that I was in a good place. Um, but it came back to um, actually when I kind of, if I put myself in a pressure situation and you start to feel pressure and nervous, well, actually remind yourself that that's a good thing and that's what you practice for and that's, that's yeah. the position you want to be in. You don't want to be just playing. It's so easy on Sunday if you're in 45th position to go and shoot six, seven under. It's so easy because all you're doing is trying to finish as high as you can. You've got no pressure. But when you're in the final group or the final couple of groups and you're trying to win, shooting five, six, seven under is hard and yeah. because if you do it, you're probably going to win. So it's a case of actually, like you say, when you get yourself into them positions and moments, it's just a case of, just kind of just roll with it and just accept you there. And that's a good thing and learn from it. If it goes wrong or if it goes right, learn from it, celebrate it and then go again kind of thing. So, yeah. You said, um, you said that it's easier to, you know, when the pressure's off, go around and shoot a seven under. And we're really conscious of your time and, and we, you've been really generous of your time so far, but just as a few little parting gifts, um, when you came out of lockdown, there was a 59 watch going on, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. How did that feel? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was playing at, I was playing at my home club um, at Bowie with the, with the general manager. First time I've ever played with him. He is an, he's an ex, well, he, he used to be a, um, an assistant pro at somewhere in Wales. I can't remember the golf course. Now he's the manager at my place, but he plays, doesn't play really much anymore. He's got his handicap of, probably six maybe don't know exactly but i remember playing with him and he's been asking to play for a while and it was just like oh come on if we're playing for something let's play and i was like do you want 10 shots i don't know 10 shots whatever and i'm starting i was 
<laughs> flying at the start, and it was just like one of the first times. It's got like, a break again. hard to even get near you. <laughs> again, I, it was, I'm, we played match play. I think I won eight and seven or something. But then it was a case of yeah, I was. Um, I don't know if you know, Bo. You're nice, didn't you? I had, I had a hole in one on the eighth hole. Yeah, par four, par four. up the hill. <laughs> up the hill. It was. I mean, it was. Normally, you can't get close to that green, but it was burnt out. out Bo, wasn't it, that time Bo can remember. get fiery, yeah, and um, had a hole in one. Anyway, I had to finish. So, walking up to that hole, just, just quickly, we can't skim past that. So, yeah. did you see it go in the hole in the park? No, no. So, were you, like, so, looking around for ages thinking, oh, I've lost my ball, I'm going to have to reload? No. So, do you know the eighth hole at Bo? I've never played no, Bo. No, not played no, Bo. Okay, so the tee, you kind of, it goes through a little funnel. And you, you can see, you can't really see the green. You can kind of see the green through the trees, but it's a dogleg left up the hill. And as you, you have to walk out of a little like funnel. And as I've ripped it, it's right on line. I've hit a high draw. And the, to be fair, the last, I've played it twice. This is my third round out of lockdown. And I've knocked it front edge both times. So I've hit high draws. It sets up quite nicely for me. And um, I was hitting it quite well. And um, yeah, anyway, I'm walking out the tunnel and we see, we see, um, the person in the group in front walking back towards us, and then, and as you can imagine, the manager's thinking, yeah. "Oh, fuck. like oh, I'm going to get a bollock in here," and yeah. I'm thinking, oh, "I've obviously hit them or something," or they're annoyed because I've I've drove when I shouldn't have, and it's like really yeah. like it's only going to run on the front edge because it's three seventy five uphill kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not That's gonna, the most nonchalant I drained one from three seven five. I'm not ever. I'm not going to pitch it on the green. So anyway, so they're um, <laughs> walking back, and he literally from thirty yards shouts, "I bet you think I'm going to give you a bollocking, don't I? Don't you?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, sorry." And he goes, "Honestly, I've just come because you won't believe it, and you'll be looking. But I've just witnessed your ball go in the hole." And I want to be the first person to tell you. And I was like, and he goes, I swear on my hand and uh, on my daughter's like, all of this, your ball's just gone in. And because I didn't see it, I couldn't see it. And it's like, it's it's a bit unrealistic. I remember a, something, a couple of, I think National Club Golfer posted it and it had yeah. hundreds of thousands of likes. And you should have seen the comments on it. It was like, oh yeah, but he was playing on his own, all this. Yeah, like, yeah. Just like, Do you know what? Like, I'm not even going to bite because people are going to say, because it is that unbelievable kind of thing. But um, yeah, he, he yeah, managed to make a one. And anyway, so I three put 17 for bogey. Um, and the last is part five. And I've got, literally got nine iron in for my second shot out of the rough. Mr. Green left, mate pass. So I finished five, five when I realistically, I finished four, four at worst every day of the week to shoot 60. So yeah. anyway, that's what happened. But yeah. Unbelievable. First ace as well. Such or. First ace, yeah. First ace three, three seven, five. Jesus. Do you know what? That's Christ. that's exactly one of the things I tend to do. I can't have a hole in one on par three. The first one happens to be on a par four. But um that's yeah. <laughs> that's why I was waiting. I was I was kind of that was also my problem at, in Mallorca. It was kinda of like I already after two rounds I already had my Instagram caption ready. Kind of thing that I'd already won, <laughs> that, I'd, that I'd won the tournament. Like, trust me, my first win on Challenge Tour is when I come out of isolation. But there, it, it caught up on me. I ended up finishing 21st. The <laughs> <laughs> game has a funny way of biting you in the ass, doesn't it? Yeah, um, literally. Richard, you've been an absolute uh, star for jumping on while you're still feeling a bit rough. And uh, we've been very uh, 
well we've been uh, hungry of your time so uh, we're going to let you go but we'll be watching you next year with with great interest and wishing you um all the very best because uh yeah we just hope the success story continues brilliant i appreciate that guys and uh like i say thanks for having me on so yeah cheers Watch richard thank you this. 